everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This is the daily for Thursday, April 27th. I'm Bill Landis, and we are very pleased to welcome back. Uh, Nick, you might be, this is Nick Baumgartner from The Athletic. Nick, you might be the first like return interview guest I think we've had oh, God. on the podcast. So so congratulations. <laughs> oh, I know it's awesome. a tremendous honor. Thank God. Yeah. I mean, it's finally, yeah. I get an honor here, right? I mean, it's about time, but yeah. Glad to be here, Bill. Always <laughs> glad to talk to you. Uh, Nick Baumgartner from The Athletic, senior writer. I like your Twitter profile. I write about football. You have the best job in sports media, man. I'm so envious of your uh, job. I just tell write you, about football like, at all levels. It's, it takes a lot of something to just tell them, that's what I'm going to do for my job. And they're like, okay, okay, I guess we'll see how it goes. But they haven't told me to go home yet, so we're still, we're still doing it. But yeah, I appreciate it, man. It's been fun. Uh so we're we're talking NFL draft. It is it is the morning of the first round of the NFL draft, and and Nick has been heavily involved in the athletics draft coverage. Uh, I don't know, basically since this draft cycle started, I, yeah. I suppose. But I, what I like about your perspective, Nick, is that you're not you're not a draft guy who just decides to start watching college football prospects like in no. March. You you follow college football yes, and then you yes. dive dive into the draft. So you have different perspective on this but I, I guess before we start diving into ohio state guys specifically mm-hmm. I, I am curious like like how does that maybe inform the way that you cover the draft since you have perhaps that different perspective than some of the nfl more central yeah. graders have i'd say it's been so much fun and this is why i was i think this is why i was able to sell it to the athletic is because i do have the different perspective of having covered college football from a team perspective and the big 10 and you know so much stuff over those 15 whatever it was years that you know, and I'm a nerd with it anyway, like, you know, and watching these kids from high school, watching them grow up as players, watching their full context, which is so important. It's so much more important than what they test or so many times, often even what they show in some instances on film, like how how they're acting, how they're reacting, what they're about, what they're like. Um, and it's just like studying them more as individuals. And that's what I've done over the last couple of years, I'd say maybe the last two years, really the last year in general is like. I watched every game I could last season, you know, in college, uh, more than I did probably NFL games. I still cover the Lions. I try to follow them. But, like, I watched more college in season than I than I probably ever have. Uh, but I didn't watch it from a team standpoint ever. Like, I, could ca- I never cared or had any investment in any win <laughs> or loss. It was just like I'm just trying to watch guys for their own growth. You know what I mean? So it's been really fun, uh, and it's been cool. And I think it's been, it's helped to try to keep that, like, I try to keep like where a guy was when he signed his letter of intent out of high school. Like, what was he thought of? What was he supposed to be? What wasn't he supposed to be? Like, I try to keep that in mind as much as anything when we're talking, because it was only like four years ago. And I think that that gets lost a lot in this whole discussion every year. All right. So let's, so we, we did, we had a long discussion about this on our Tuesday morning episode. So I apologize, I guess, to our listeners for belaboring the point, but you have perhaps a different viewpoint on yeah. this than myself and Austin Ward had when we were talking about it on Tuesday. What is happening with CJ Stroud? Like why <laughs> why um I know why the the smear campaign against the Ohio <laughs> State quarterback. This really is, right? I mean that's what it's turned into. So the S two scores leaked, and whether or not they're real or not, I guess is Whatever, right? And he had the lowest one. I think that's the that's the starting point of the whole deal. And and that ties into a similar thing that Fields had, although I don't think it's as bad. I think Stroud's actually probably further along. In that it's that hesitance hesit- hesitancy in the pocket. It's the not ripping it always exactly on time when the when it comes open, right? Like and it and it gets 
I think it gets illustrated more in Ohio State's offense than most others because they have so many good receivers and they have such a sophistication with what they do that when you watch them on all 22, like, you know, this, like every goddamn thing they run is open. Like, so you're just like, it's all open, throw it, like throw the ball, like right now, throw it now. It's like obvious for every, even the lay person to see. Right. So I think that some of it is that some of it is like the Ohio state quarterbacks in the last couple cycles have had to deal with unfair, you know, hyper criticism because of who they're playing with. Like they're playing with like the best receiver. Like we're going to look back in 10 years and be like, how the hell were all these guys, these receivers on one team? And I think that some of that is coupling into the fact that you look at the S2 score being low. And that is that cognitive, like functioning thing that Bryce Young excels at. And, you know, and the difference, I guess, with that one that people have a misnomer on is, it's hard. And then we're going to get into the weeds here, Bill, because the the S2 test, I think, measures like your your mental capability to function under stress and all that, like at 15 mm-hmm. years old. And you are what you are for the rest of your life. Like whatever CJ Stroud was at 15, he's that today and he will be at 30. But it's a and Bryce Young's ahead of him. We know that he's a better, you know, in, better in the pocket, a better improv- improvisational player, all that. But what we what we fail to remember is that CJ Stroud is 20 years old. And that it by 24, he is going to be so much better with his like reaction time, time on task, motor skills, everything from the pocket. He can improve his pocket presence. He will improve his pocket presence. And I think a lot of it is he's getting caught in the wash because teams need to trade. They need to they need to move. And he's the guy that has the most sort of like intrigue at the highest level. I think Levis is a lot of the noise on him is BS. I I don't know how people see Will Levis as a better prospect than C.J. Stroud. Uh, I don't. Like, that doesn't make sense to me right now. Uh, And it didn't make sense to me a month ago, two months ago, whatever. I do understand how, you know, someone could see Bryce ahead of him, right? But I think it's a lot of things, but I think those two things are tied. It's that low test score and the fact that he has that that stuff on tape where it's like he pats the ball too long or holds on to it too long or maybe he doesn't rip it as much as you'd like, as early as he'd like or whatever. But a lot of it is nitpicky, and I—he's a really good player. I think that's where you land on it, right? Yeah, yeah, and and, and you know, I, I'm admittedly probably too close to it, and and don't have the perspective of watching all these other guys as as closely as you have. Um, but like watching CJ throughout his career, uh, from my vantage point, I was like, oh, this guy sees the field really well. Like he right. understands pace, and and I thought through with decent anticipation. The one thing that I do wonder with Ohio State sometimes is like. Their receivers are so good, to your point, that Ohio State's quarterbacks are more willing to hold on to the ball longer because they yeah. know, like, eventually they're probably going to get I open. I think that's a huge part. Of it. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe that pops up too. But but I don't, I don't know. I guess what I guess what I'm asking you, like, am, am I wrong in thinking that C.J. Stroud is a pretty good processor? Is that is that no? Is, is that actually? A, when, I don't think so because I I think he's better than Fields was. I think he's better than Fields was. I think he's an advanced player in that regard. I think he's a better passer than Fields was. I think he doesn't have to rely on the things that Fields sometimes had to rely on. Like the thing you just said, waiting for somebody, maybe sometimes an improving on a route because you know that so-and-so is just going to cook somebody and you're going to get a freebie here. Like CJ didn't have to do that as much and he didn't have the legs. He didn't have the, I mean, he can run if he wants, but that was always, and I always like looked at the, why doesn't he run more? I'm like, I don't give it. Like, I don't care that he, I don't care if he ever runs. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I want him to stand in the pocket and be comfortable standing there and surveying and throwing. No, I agree with you, Bill. I, I just think he's a super young quarterback. 
um, who has played like he wasn't even a big time, big time recruit. I don't think like he was a good recruit, but not until the very end. Yeah. Yeah. He blew up late. Like, yeah. I remember Michigan, like Harbaugh liked him for a minute um, and liked him a lot toward, they wanted him toward the end, but like they were one of the early ones with Ohio state, maybe some others, but it was a low de- late developing thing with him. And he was always kind of a younger guy who had this like natural sort of thing that you had to keep coaching. And it's like the thing that we, that I, I hate it because I think that too many people get caught up in like not trusting the idea that these coaches know what they're doing with these quarterbacks. Like d- don't give up on these guys. Like the GMs and the owners, they want to give up and they, if it's not immediate, whatever, I don't know. The one thing I guess I do worry about with CJ is like, if he ends up on a bad, a horrible team like Houston that sucks and it's bad for him and it dumps on his confidence like that, I think could be a problem. And that is also why I think maybe teams are hesitant. So that actually leads me into what I wanted to ask you next. Like, cause you, in addition to watching these guys, you do, you do the mock drafts, you assess team needs and have a mm-hmm. fairly good understanding of kind of how these NFL teams operate in your mind. It sounds like CJ is not going to go number one. No. So, but, but so take that off the table. I guess he's not going to go to Carolina. Is there a team that you look at and say like, okay, that that's the ideal spot for a player like CJ to land in the first round? I love him with the Colts. I mean, frankly, like I, I, I'd hate him with Houston. <laughs> I, I would have liked him with Carolina uh, and it's for the same reason I like Young there. I like the I like the coach. I like the situation they have. Uh, if they want to sign a bridge or something, they can. But the reason I like the Colts, they already have one. They have uh, Minshew, I think, is already there. Um, they just hired Steichen from Philly, who's a terrific coach, uh, who understands what he's doing and knows how to uh, you know, work with young players uh, of different skill sets. And I... I just, that to me, and I don't think Indianapolis, I know Indianapolis has got some work to do and they probably have more work to do that I'm willing to give them credit for, but they still have a lot of really good football players. Like, I think that that team is not as bad structurally as we're used to seeing from a team picking at four. So I'd like him there. Like I, if I almost wonder if the Colts are behind all this bullshit trying to get him to slide (laughs) because I like him right there. I like him better than Richardson in that spot. Like, I think you could let Minshew sort of guide him in there, and if CJ's if he if he's rolling it by week eight or nine, then you're in, you're in business. Like I think that's a really good spot for him. Like he could start right away if he had to. I don't, but why would you do it if you don't have to? Like I think that that to me it would be the perfect situation for him. All right, let's move off of CJ. Um, we've talked a lot about him. Yeah, there yeah. are other Ohio State. There are other Ohio State players. CJ Stroud now. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. There are other Ohio State players in the draft. A couple of of whom uh, should be going in the first round. Uh-huh. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. What like what is? I don't know if concern level is the right word, but the fact mm-hmm. that there's like basically no junior tape of him. Right. How how much of an impact do you think that will have on on where he goes on Thursday night, or are we past the point where that even matters? And what he did as a sophomore, and some of the testing stuff, and I don't know. I guess just yeah. the the vibes around him are enough for him to perhaps be the first receiver taken. Well, I think he still has enough to be the first receiver taken, but the uh, fact that he has no tape last year is significant because you know the questions about him are always going to be play strength and physicality and ability to separate and what all can he give you? And he was so slot heavy that year, right? Like, and I don't Mm -hmm. know that, I don't know that he wouldn't have been last year too, you know? So sometimes it's unfair to say that, but maybe he would have been able to do some different things or show some different things or whatever. And that would have maybe vaulted him into a conversation about would somebody be comfortable at 12 taking him or 11 or 10, maybe even. 
And I don't think that's happening now. I think now, you know, I think people have been a little off on this for the most part. I think that all these receivers have something about them that is a little bit like, uh, and I think Jackson has the least. I think he's the best on the board. I think he'll be the be- the number one to go. And I think he'll be the best pro out of this group. But I think he's also just fair or not. And I think it is kind of fair. He's got to prove it. You know, he had that amazing mm-hmm. year um, and he was awesome. Like he, he was the best offensive player I watched in America that season. Like I remember that Michigan game, like the back of my hand, like if that was a close football game that should not have been close and was only close because Jackson Smith and Jigba made it close. Like he was uncoverable. Like I compared him in a video we did a couple weeks ago to like Luca Don. I mean, he's like Luca, like the, he's the weird mm-hmm. athlete that just, <laughs> you play at his pace. He doesn't play at your pace, right? So I love him, but I there's so many questions about him that uh, I don't know. If, I don't think he's going to go in the top 15. I think he's going to be there in the late teens and maybe in the 20s. But um, And I, I think, again, that could benefit him because if he goes to like – if he falls to like Buffalo or something like that, he's yeah. play with Josh Allen. Oh, my God. Like now we're off and running, right? So I would almost prefer that if I were him at this point. Yeah, it is funny with like these conversations, like, oh, so and so is gonna drop. It's like, okay, like whatever. You're gonna play for a better yeah. team. Let me go to the Chiefs, <laughs> <Sounds> bro. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to um, have to run routes for Davis Mills for a year if all things are equal, you know, but okay. Right. right. Uh where where do you land on the like Paris Johnson, Peter Skronsky? I maybe yeah. you want to throw Broderick Jones in there. Like, how do you see those three and, and how Paris fits into the conversation? Yeah, Paris is the is the best traits guy of all the tackles on the board. Um, and I think he's, but, it, but I don't know if I would have him ahead of, he's not ahead of Skaronsky and my list. And I, I go back and forth with him and the kid from Georgia, because I think Joe, he's really athletic and he's a, he's a different mm-hmm. shaped guy. He's more compact and maybe more of a right tackle only, but the reason why Paris, and I can see why he's number one on a lot of tackle boards and maybe a top 10 pick uh, is because he has played, he has played guard. Um, he's a, he runs like a tight end. Um, he's freaky long. Like everybody talks about Dewan Jones's length uh, because it's like record setting, but nobody talks about Paris Johnson's length. And it's really not that <laughs> far behind. So like, I mean, uh, his length is insane. His measurables are insane. Um, I, yeah, I mean, he, he has all of the tools to be like the elite, elite tackle for 15 years. Like if it all, and he's really young. So, yeah, you know, it's like, the difference there is that Skaronsky is like an old soul who plays like an old veteran and has like a lot of stuff that you don't, you will not have to teach him. You won't have, there won't be a learning curve with him. You know what I mean? So I guess that's the tiebreaker, but I do like Paris a lot. Uh, you were at the senior bowl, right? Down to Mobile? Yep. I was. So uh, like Dewan Jones was down there and had like a really good first day he and did. Then just like shut it down. Yes. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, good for you, man. Like, I was don't too. like strike, strike while the iron's hot. Like, like I respect that move. But then, <laughs> Like the combine pass, and then I think he didn't do much at all. He didn't no. do anything at Ohio State's pro day, and then I'm like, all right, like I, I think that maybe you I took didn't that like too far. Yeah. <laughs> I think you took yeah. that too far. So like, where where are you with Dewan? Like, because there was a time where I was like, oh, if Dewan might sneak into the first round, like I'm yeah. not there now, but no. I think he's probably still like he's still day two and potentially early day two. Like, where, yeah, how do you feel about him? I think so too. Like, I think he's day two. Like Dane always brings this up when you talk about Dewan because there's so many scouts that are there's a lot of scouts that were like, no way. Day three, I don't want anything to do with this guy. He's too long and stiff, and he's going to get hurt, and he can't bend, and he's not quick enough and all this. And then, like, one day I was sitting there in Mobile actually talking to Dane about it, and I'm like, yeah, but – and he's like, yeah, but he's so long that, like, it Mm -hmm. literally might not matter. Like, 
can he bend and get down on Vaughn Miller and like, or can Vaughn Miller do anything with his length? Like, is it going to like, is it going to matter? And I think that like, uh, yeah, I still think he's day two, but I understand why teams are freaky. They freak out on him uh, in some ways. And I wouldn't be shocked if he goes higher than we think too, because of sort of exactly what he showed at the senior bowl. It's like, he walked out there. I think his first rep was against that Andre Carter, who at the time was like, people were talking about him as like a top 75 prospect. That dude's like a six round pick now. Cause Dwan <laughs> put him in the stands. Like it was like ridiculous. He dominated everybody for the whole day. And then was like, I'm done. And then came back, came back street clothes. And we just standing there. And I was like, okay, man. But I agree with you, Bill. Like I would have liked to see maybe more from him at the combine or his pro day or something. I don't know. Because like whatever he did to alleviate some fears at the Cedar bowl, he needed to do more and he didn't do more. So I think that's kind of what it yeah, is. Yeah. It's almost, yeah. By, 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 essentially like shutting it down for the rest of the process. He like right. allowed that doubt yeah. to creep back. Yeah. In. It was like too much time. It was like for that couple of weeks, it was like, shit, that was really good. And then you're like, yeah, well, <laughs> that was only one day. So whatever. Yeah. Um, all right. So guys, I, I think Ohio state's looking at probably having seven guys drafted. Um, we talked about CJ Jackson Smith mm-hmm. and Paris Johnson, Dewan Jones, Zach Harrison is the other Luke Whipler, Ronnie Hickman. Um, yeah. of, of all these guys, of all those seven, um, is there a guy just like in, in the studies that you've done, like that you just really like, like you don't, it's not about where he's going to go or team fit, whatever. You just like him as a football player. Yeah. Like who, who's number one on that list for you among the Ohio state guys? Uh, Whipler really, because he's the guy that I was actually most curious about whether or not he was going to come out. Um, Cause I remember watching him last year because you're watching Paris and Duan a lot. And, you know, I remember watching him as a young center and it's like, man, this guy can really move. Um, he's really smart. Like the strength isn't there yet, but he's really young. And I kind of thought he would go back. Like I kind of, I was like, he's good enough. Like, I think he'll be a, you know, uh, a day two pick, but I kind of thought maybe he'd go back and turn into like a really good player. Like a, you know, I don't know if he's Linderbaum level, but something like that, you know, with Ohio state strength program for another year, but he's a guy that somebody's going to get him in the third round or end of the third or beginning of the fourth. And that's going to be a great pick because like, that's a guy that you're not going to have to rush. Um, he could probably play guard while he picks up whatever he needs to pick up, or maybe he can hang right away. Right. So, uh, he's so young and I just, I love those young centers who like are confident and can hang early, can get in there early and make an impact because it's the hardest position as you know, I mean, it's the hardest one to play. It's like, there's so much going on. Like the kid from Michigan this year, Oluwatimi keeps getting dinged, um, for -hmm. a lot of physical reasons. And I always bring up like, yeah, but he, absorbed Michigan's ridiculous playbook in like three weeks and mastered it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So, and Whipler's got a lot, same thing. Like Ohio state's not running a rinky dink offense there. You know, it's a lot going on. I like him a lot. And like, I was, it was cool to see him bet on himself. Right. Like, I mean, you would like to see him come back yeah. maybe and get stronger, but it was cool to see him bet on himself. Cause I think it's going to work out. Yeah, it definitely caught Ohio State off guard. I think yeah, that, I that he decided that. to come out. Brian but the, there, I mean, yeah. the the Georgia game was pretty good. Like if it and really that was, was the best, mm-hmm. them and Michigan were the two best interiors they played. And I was like, all right, Luke showed a little something. Like I yeah, get it. I, it I respect really good. The, I respect the move. The Georgia game really hurt Ohio State. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it a good. shame it didn't come with a win for them because like yeah. everyone played their best game. It yeah. was amazing. They played so well, and it's like, well, that's <laughs> okay. Like, they're all going pro now, but whatever. Yeah. 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 Oh well. Um, so, all right, we'll wrap up there, Nick. What do you, do you guys have anything going on in terms of draft coverage? People should check out at the yeah. athletic, whether uh, yourself or, or Dane. Yeah, they'll be doing a live podcast throughout the week, but, uh, we'll have the uh, live blog. That's where I'll be for most of the week. I think we reacted pretty much every pick me and, uh, 
Deontay Lee will be in there, Chris Burke. Um, so it'll be a long weekend, Bill, as you know. We'll be there all through yeah. Saturday and probably even through some Sunday uh, before it's all said and done. But we'll have a good time doing it. Yeah, uh, I, I uh, encourage people to check that out at The Athletic. Um, if you're interested in not just the Ohio State portion of the draft, but the draft as a whole, uh, I don't think anybody covers it better uh, than, than Nick and those guys do at The Athletic. We'll, of course, have uh, more coverage here as it relates to Ohio State throughout the rest of the week uh, on the podcast daily and at ohiostate.rivals.com. Make sure to check us out there. But for now, uh, that'll wrap up this episode of The Daily. Thank you, Nick, so much for joining us, and we will talk to you guys later in the week.